They warned him when he went undercover that this would be a most unpleasant assignment. I look forward to it. But nobody expects him to be pleasant. Put up the wrong practice, buddy! Brian Bosworth is stone cold. And then some. Rated R. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Sight and Sound Podcast, presented by Heart God Media. And today we're covering Stone Cold, 1991's Stone Cold. 30th anniversary is today, May 17th. If you're listening to this, it's posting on the 17th at night. Exactly 30 years ago, this movie was released. And we have two very good friends of mine who have appeared on this podcast many, many, many times, Mr. Eric Scott Tyler and Sean Chongo Henderson. What is up, boys? Let's hear it. What is up? We uh, we don't have Chongo, but we have uh, Mr. Eric Scott Tyler, and we are talking and we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of the 1991 action extravaganza known as Stone Cold, starring Lance Hendrickson and, of course, Mr. John Stone, Joe Huff, Stone Cold himself, Brian, the Boz, Bosworth. Eric, what is what is up? How's it going? How's it going? Glad to be here. I'm pumped to, pumped to talk about this one. Now, we've been covering more and more action films as we've, you know, officially switched to the Sight and Sound podcast podcast but we've we've covered action even when we were just called heart god media but we are the sight and sound podcast just a a little smoother name it defines a little bit better about what we actually cover movies and music um but we cover all music and we cover a lot of different movies and action as with horror is considered genre film they aren't in the oscars and they aren't like dominating award shows and they're not really given all the credit that they need even though in the 80s and the early 90s, action movies, along with a lot of horror movies, dominated uh, the uh, the what moviegoers were going to see. You know, rant, we talked, uh, we had a battle year, and we talked about how Rocky IV and 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 First Blood Two Rambo uh, were two, or I think two and three gross number two and three grossing behind Back to the Future in 1985. Right, for sure. I mean, I think that's, like that's said, insane, right there, to think about how that's you know, action movies were very dominant in the '80s, and and yeah, yeah. I mean, like we've talked about a hundred times. If you've heard before, we always mention like uh, horror and action films, as amazing they are and as beloved as they are. Like people love these films, but they kind of get laughed at or looked down upon in, uh, I guess, the grand scheme of things when it comes to the snootier side of filmmaking and with the the 19 with the close in the 1980s those first few years of you know you got to think too this movie stone cold we get brian bosworth's uh acting debut after his career with the seattle seahawks is cut short his professional career obviously being a and we're also obviously being sports fans uh and you being a huge college football fan uh obviously this uh you know boz's you know, big breakout year was 85, the year you were born, playing for the Oklahoma Sooners. But talk, the, you know, to give a little backstory, if you're not, un, if you're unfamiliar with Brian Bosworth, 
he was the probably the first rock star college athlete ever, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, you'd seen a lot of lot of people athletes before him uh, with I don't know the look, the attitude. I mean. I know the the word these days is used as hype, but the hype around Brian Bosworth at that time was was great. Like you said, he was like a rock star. He was he had the crazy hair and the headband, bandanas. He was just like uh, you could tell he was a uh, special, but not not only on the field, but like his personality shined. And I guess you really, I mean, you've always had athletes who who had big personalities and stuff like that, but he um, he definitely was uh, leading the way in that era of uh yeah like you said almost rock stars so yeah he and and to be in the position playing the position that he did not being a quarterback not being like a wide receiver you know what i mean i mean that speaks volumes to his character to be able to break out into the mainstream and create like a character and have an axel rose type persona before axel rose you know like it, that's pretty impressive right oh for sure for sure. I mean, like I said, I think, I think like cause the way, the way sports, especially college sports. I mean, I guess you kind of look look at this. Uh, a lot of it was toned down, and I mean, not everyone, like I said, but uh, he was like larger than life. So you know what I mean? Like he was above. I guess, what I guess what I'm trying to say is he was like he was above above the game a little bit. You know exactly. I mean? Exactly. But you know, he he ends up going to. He ends up getting uh, a chance to play professional football, an NFL player for the Seattle Seahawks. That doesn't, you know, necessarily go as planned. Uh, and he winds up acting, and he gets this role as John Stone slash Joe Huff in Stone Cold. Now, what a stalwart cast. Uh, insane. Lance Hendrickson, one of the greatest actors of our time. William Forsyth. Uh, you know, a million, uh, Robert Winley known as the, the biker, the, the biker in, uh, Terminator two as well, that Arnold comes and takes his clothes, his boots and his motorcycle also in 1991, <laughs> he plays Mudfish in this amazing name. Amazing man. Seriously. A lot of, a lot of great names. We got a guy named poker. He's kind of changed his doorman slash uh, bodyguard, full-on Brian Smith vibe. Shout out to Brian Smith. <laughs> Shout out to Brian Smith. Uh, if I could just say, like, yeah, so I'm attacking this this pod a little bit differently than you. Like, obviously, uh, you're this is one of your favorite movies ever, and I've just seen bits and pieces, very, you know, years and years ago. So I feel a little bit... Like, last night, like I told you, I texted you, like, I felt sick that I've just, like, slept on this movie for so long. Because, A, like, I obviously know who Bosworth is, like, super familiar with, like, his career. Um, And, like you said, Lance and Forsyth, like, the acting, the actors in it, like, legitimately an all-star cast. So, like, last night when I'm watching for the first time, really the first time in full, like, as an adult, I'm thinking to myself, like, this movie, as an action movie, is... (laughs) <laughs> of that time frame is it's amazing like it's oh yeah I, and i don't i'm not just saying this like watching it like when and again when you're talking like the real like real steel like grit like action flick like it's 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 severely underrated like nobody's talking about this movie but it's got everything you, everything you need like oh it can stand there with the, the best of any action movie yeah, ever like, ever again, 
no one's winning an Oscar, but the action alone and just like I thought like and I know we're gonna get into it more, but like Hendrickson like kills the character, like Chains is like, you know, the almost likable, like anti hero boss and Forsyth, like the sergeant in arms of like the of the motorcycle crew here who's just like got obviously some screws loose, a little bit nuts, and then Bosworth just like the hot shot jack like pretty boy uh, cop who who's like you know not afraid of anything it's 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 a great dynamic in the movies it's as an action flick it's it's right up there with the best of them i think so oh yeah now to give some backstory both about the film and my personal relationship before we dive into the actual film my father was a biker in, in the early 90s when I saw this, probably 92, 93, he was one, obsessed with it. This was his favorite movie of all time. Number two, he looked almost nearly identical, except add maybe 25, 30 pounds at the time, uh, to William Forsyth's character as Ice Hensley. And that's what my father looked like. And for years, as a little kid, you know, pre-10 years old, friggin' five, six, seven, eight, nine years old, they would tell me, my, my parents, specifically my dad, be like, yeah, that's me. And, you know, you're five years old. You believe it, obviously. And he had a gap. My father had the gap between his teeth like Forsyth did. Fucking wore the same, pretty much the same outfit, more or less, except for the cut. And was pretty much looked identical to William Forsyth. So when I met William Forsyth, uh, probably eight, nine years ago at this point, I had him sign it, Bud, because I'm known... To all my family members is Bud. They've never called me Jesse ever. Uh, so I had him make it out to Bud. Uh, and he signed it. You know me, baby. I'm a worry wart. Uh, so I have a, a deep personal connection with this. Obviously, you know, my, my I was closer with no one in my family before and after than I am with my father. So this movie has a, a very special kinship to my heart. But what what an insane film. Directed as billed by Craig R. Baxley. Uh, and that dude ended that dude did Dark Angel. He was the director of Dark Angel. He did the stunts on Predator. And he's still pretty prolific in in stunts and directing uh TV now. I know he did the Sniper uh sequel. He's done the dude's done quite a bit. He did Action Jackson. Um so, but he, Craig R. Baxley can't get all the credit for this film because he was not the first director on this. He was actually a he was actually a director that replaced uh, a director that was already on here, and his name was I have it somewhere. I took notes because I completely forgot Bruce uh, Bruce Malmuth. So IMDb reports, and I've read this before, and, and I knew this uh, from reading it years and years ago, but shooting began June 4th, 1990. Craig R. Baxley replaced Bruce Malmuth as director in late June 1990. Production was halted due to IATSE, dis- an IS- IATSE dispute. I'm not even sure what IATSE is. Uh, dispute regarding... Uh, are resulting in the departure of director of photography John R. Leonetti and other IATSE members of the crew, and they completed shooting on September 26, 
So, unfortunately, uh, with that, there were scenes shot giving backstory on John Stone slash Joe Huff where his wife and his kids were murdered by affiliates of the gang because of the because of the brotherhood the biker gang in the movie thus giving a whole backstory and him going and if you watch one of the trailers you'll actually see one where he's talking with Cunningham the FBI agent who we also know from Jason Goes to Hell as the coroner he uh you know, there was the backstory was he wanted to get in and infiltrate the biker gang because he had his own private justice, which is also a sub name or a or working title to one man's justice, uh, which was a very similar storyline. And that's why they made that film, uh, you know, to kind of because I think Brian Bosworth was a big fan of that storyline. So that whole story was filmed that those parts in the movie were filmed and then they were subsequently cut. To shorten the film oh. down. And That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know that. Didn't know that. So, I mean, to get the kind of film we did and have the entertainment value be off the charts still is pretty impressive. Oh, for sure. To, and I, I think Bosworth has been so, uh, I think, disenchanted with the film because, the you know, as he is, I think he had actually said the heart was cut out of it. So it was just like a mindless action movie. But with that said, I think so much amazing things shined because of this. And what we got was just an insane, an insane action movie that I think it'd be hard to put anything right next to this and try to say that it was a better action film. But, you know, we got Brian Bosworth. Brian Bosworth at the time, you know, this shoots in 1990. He's a 25-year-old man when this is shooting. Now... I feel inadequate because I'm 33, and I feel like I look like a little boy still compared to Brian Bosworth when Brian Bosworth was 25. I also think, like, the older generation to us, for some reason, those guys look uh, more like everyone. They just, everyone looks so much older. Like, what's like when you were in high school and you were in ninth grade, the 12th graders looked like they were, like, 30. Yeah, full full goatees, like, look like they've been through 12 jobs. (laughs) Exactly, like, Bosworth looking like... Like he's saying that Bosworth is twenty five, and this is uh, is hilarious, yeah, because he looks, you know. I mean, so granted, Bosworth Bos was on some juice, but oh yeah, he's regardless. I just feel inadequate as a man. I feel like I never got the proper <laughs> nutrition. I don't feel. I feel like the milk I've had my entire life. I mean, I only drink like almond milk now, but when I was a kid and I was drinking uh, cow's milk, I feel like I wasn't getting. I feel like I was depleted of real nutrients and energy when i look at a 25 year old brian bosworth i feel like i was robbed of a of a, a true man's body <laughs> oh for sure we we're all we all felt that way when we were watching it for sure and i couldn't even be afforded the lance hendrickson body where i'm just like skinny and i fucking look like i'm about ready to fight pumpkin head like uh i think you're a little bit better off than lance lance always had that kind of grizzled uh oh yeah he just looks like he's been out in the sun just looks like he's just rawhide for sure William Forsyth just, I mean, this guy is kind of playing Ice Hensley. Obviously, Lance Hendrickson playing the the president, El Presidente of uh, the Brotherhood, uh, Chains Cooper. What great names, though. Chains, Ice, what's some other? Poker, Gut, Tool, Trouble, Mudfish, AWOL. And then just Stone, yeah, Stone. Stone, there's also another guy called... Who is uh, the long bearded guy who was in the you, he got his good scene in uh, the courthouse? His name was Vitamin. 
just uh just great 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 uh great shit this was also written by walter uh doniger who passed away about 10 years ago but he had he had wrote mainly he had written like tv shows like family shows like uh a lot of tv shows but like a lot of westerns and a lot of old-timey movies uh Really, and this was his only weird one-off crazy film. And he was just like, you know what? I'm going to write the most kick-ass goddamn action movie of all time. I know. This kind of, it is a random movie to just spin off from all that other shit to just feel like this is what I'm going to write. Writing movies with fucking Fred Astaire in it. And then you're like, I'm going to write this crazy... I'm going to call this guy fucking Chains Cooper. <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's dive into the flick. Um... And to put this up front, Lance Hendrickson, the the character of Chains Cooper, had almost no dialogue. I think originally he was only written that he had one or two lines towards the end of the film. Lance Hendrickson has a, a lot of amazing lines in this, 100% improvised. Yeah, I mean, you told me beforehand, and uh, and then watching it, knowing that it was it was I, it was mind boggling because I mean, as you said, I mean, Lance is world class. Um, and he, the way he portrayed that character was really great because obviously he's the head of this, you know, crazy biker gang off and people, but he had like, he was very likable and like his lines were just hilarious. It, it had a little count, like the way he delivered stuff was very, almost comedic at times, you know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. 100%. And, I think he, it was so much strange to like, yeah, like you almost liked him a little bit. He, he kind of gave that off. Yeah. He had a, bl- you could tell he had a blast filming this. Um, or at least tr- becoming the character, uh, at the very least, but let's kick off into this movie. Cause we got a lot to cover and this is just God, this is, this is in my opinion, if it, someone said, what's the best action movie I could watch right now? If I'm not saying Terminator two stone Cold's probably coming out of my mouth before Terminator two. And that says something. For sure. Well, like I said, I know that this, and uh, as everyone will find out after they, they get done listening to this, this is, this is one of your uh, one of your tops, one of your favorites. So, so we open this, and immediately, I, I think you and I have actually talked about this before. Um, if we haven't, we're going to talk about it now. So, the opening of the film is pretty, honestly, cool and impressive, and for the time, uh, uh, innovative. I like that they open with the security camera in the grocery store in black and white, and then the the burglar, the the bandit the 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 lowly grocery store bandit shoots it and that guy talk about a guy that's just goddamn intense let's go fucking all cranked up on fucking on just ready to go all p2p'd out oh yeah like they just that's how they open it's it's a lot like uh cobra yeah, I was gonna say it's a lot. It has a very cobra esque opening where you're at a grocery store, you got some degenerates in this grocery store ready to fuck shit up. And the rogue cop, <laughs> the, exactly cool guy, rogue cop. Uh, I think it's hilarious. Like that's another thing. Like the introduction of Boz is hilarious. How he's just like rolling through the just rolling in. He's got fucking these <laughs> black alligator skin fucking uh, like tipped fucking boots on that are amazing. The big, huge, fucking elaborate fucking duster. <laughs> I think that was like the first, I mean, post-watching, my wife was like, he has like the best jackets I've ever seen. Throughout <laughs> the he opens up with the, the long-ass duster with that beautiful blonde hair. 
Maybe the best hair in all of not only college football, but cinema, too, apparently. Yeah, I mean, that was a beautiful quaff he had. So he's he's eating, like, one of the the bakery biscuits, and another Brian Smith-looking guy goes, Don't you fucking move, man. Uh, so, obviously, it's so great in this store, though. You see, like, the Batman and Ghostbusters cereal, like, behind him. As, you know, they're, they got, like, a teenage girl hostage, and Boz... Goes in there, he fucks him up, and he, of course you get the the great action, post eighties, unfortunately, but very eighties esque one liners. Huff, what do you got to say for yourself this time? You got to clean up an aisle four, <laughs> and then just rolls out. It definitely has like the dynamic of the the rogue like badass cop with then like uh, obviously his superiors are pissed at him because he's always just fucking shit up and uh but getting the job done which is controversial now obviously with a lot of i mean not to to get serious but with a lot of like police brutality and crazy shit going on i don't think that these rogue cop movies would be able to translate now yeah i don't think so i definitely think it's a different it's a different dynamic it'd be like a different dynamic nowadays like yeah for sure but like there's countless movies about rogue cops not all some oh, are yeah. great, some are not that great, but yeah, like, you're totally right, like, I mean, this movie's, like, as we get deeper into it, too, like, this movie is, like, fairly brutal, there's a lot oh, yeah. of, there's a lot of death and, and, and mayhem in this movie, and, uh, for sure, definitely would not, uh, I don't think, uh, would even be heard of nowadays. No. So, we get the title credits, and then we start seeing, you know, the Brotherhood, we see, and I like how they... They almost tell a story without even having real scenes. The opening credits are happening. We see a guy played by the character, uh, played by the his, the character, or excuse me, the actor's name is Billy Million. Again, great name. He plays Trouble, Trouble Owens, who shoots, who guns down some fucking priest. And then, you know, we see the district attorney, Whip Whipperton, uh, demanding the death penalty, <laughs> demanding the death penalty. And uh, he gets sentenced to 45 years, and then we see Ice. And again, this is this is almost like montage s. They they tell so much, and I think this is really brilliant. That I think movies now could benefit from. They montage this all together, and it's a nice montage. It doesn't look rushed or anything crazy. There's a nice little backbeat music going to it, and it just kind of tells a story. Your trouble owns. He goes in there. He guns down some priest. He gets arrested. Uh, the the DA, you see the the DA Whip Whipperton again. I know I'm reiterating this, but you see, you get all this information in like under three minutes. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that's what I kind of liked about the movie is there wasn't like a lot of BS. You know what I mean? Like everything, but everything is laid out really, really well for you. So we see Trouble Owens get sentenced to 45 years, and then we see. The judge out on his, you know, southern miss. Mind you, this takes place in Biloxi, Mississippi. Uh, amazing, and um, but we also we get the judge walking out onto his dock, getting on his boat, and we see Ice there lighting a, a cigar with the most satch attire ever, with no shirt but the leather cut on, with his tattooed belly out. And yep. just fucking gives him the salute as he starts his thing and gets blown up. And then we get we get uh, John Stone, local Alabama cop, rogue Alabama cop, throwing the 
seeing that the the judge was killed after you know it was called a lenient sentence of 45 years uh and yeah we get we get amazing Cheryl Crow the song is her first out al- her first album that was held back from the studio and wasn't released for some time huh and this is where another hilarious scene, right, where he's in his apartment and he's, he's got the Zubas. He, he's putting together a, a mixture, like drink in a blender, and you're thinking he's going to eat this. You, I think it starts with orange juice, and then there's a couple Snickers bars, and then a whole potato chips, and a whole bunch of shit. <laughs> and uh, you find out that he's feeding his pet. Uh, is it his pet dog? No, he has like a Komodo dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Like, whose idea was that? They're just like, what do we got for animals we could bring on the for the animal budget? Well, we can bring in a Komodo dragon. All right, let's do that. Yeah. Picture Boz just sitting there making this uh, drink up and, uh, yeah, gets a knock at the door, but he's feeding this Komodo dragon. And uh, knock at the door is FBI, and we get our boy fucking Mr. Schreiber. Mr. Schreiber, <laughs> Freaks and Geeks fame, and also a hundred other things. I know the, what, the, the he was also Junior's doctor in Sopranos. Yeah, Junior's doctor spread in the Wizard. Can we just tell? I don't know that guy's name, but his name's uh, been, his name escapes me. Oh, uh, fuck. That guy's been in some stuff. Okay. Well, he's like, uh, I mean, Sam McMurray. Sam McMurray. That was it. He's been in so much stuff, and yeah, like, uh, so he plays. Uh, what is his Lloyd? Is he? Is that his name? The FBI agent Lloyd. Lance. 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 That's it. There you go. And uh, and when we get uh, Richard Gant playing Cunningham, we saw, we see we've seen him in endless stuff. He's in Jason Goes to Hell. He was in I don't know the Mr. Bean movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, just uh, completely amazing. And uh, we get a little blackmail. The FBI is trying to blackmail John. Excuse me, Joe Huff. Uh brian bosworth's character into infiltrating this biker gang because they know he's you know they say you've logged more biker related arrests and uh you know this they're de- they're working with the mafia dealing with drugs prostitution they got a whole rico case they're building against him and they want we want you to go undercover inside the brotherhood um and then he goes you know i think i'm gonna settle on my three weeks he's just and they blackmail him well your three weeks just became six months without pay uh, so it, they obviously blackmail him, so he's got to be all in. And, uh, so we get, uh, <laughs> we get him, uh, in the apartment, in his, like, little G-string thong. It, it's 6 a.m., rise and shine. Like, the Sam McMurray classic, just Neil Schweiber's fucking dad. Uh, and then, uh, he sees, uh. Oh, Boz's piece of ass he's got is overnight piece of ass. <laughs> they had to throw Boz uh, with a, he had to be with a girl. They oh, yeah. I love, I just love the, like, the dialogue, whether it was written or whether it was improvised. We obviously know that Lance improvised, Lance Hendrickson improvised all of his stuff, but what's the matter? you never seen those, one of those before? Yeah, but not quite that well made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just goofy shit. It's so fucking entertaining. Um... And then we get them in a bar. So they're going to, he shows up there. Sam McMurray, his character, Lance shows up. 
and he's fucking trying to looking like a straight suspect cop fucking with the jean jacket. He's like, collar up. That's bad, right? I knew that. Yeah, he's got the D, he's got the Deion Sanders bandana. <laughs> like, uh, he's ready to go. He's just like, uh, I'm a little phobic. I'm a little hypochondriacal. <laughs> Uh, that that uh, bar is owned by the Brotherhood, right? And wasn't it called like the Tit for Tat? Or the something Tit for like Tat. <laughs> tit for Tat, yeah. Show some real attitude. The Tit for Tat. <laughs> uh, so we get them inside, and we hear, you know, uh, Joe says, "I'm gonna go, you know, I'm gonna go rattle some cages." And he's <laughs> just like, "Can I get another glass, please? This one is filthy. Thank you." Uh. And uh, so he goes, we get John Stone, Joe Huff, uh, infiltrating and going to talk shit to Ice. And they start calling him Bam Bam. And, uh, you know, oh, you yarber motherfucker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the man. Pretty boy, you boy like you must have done for some painful time. You don't use that stick. You won't dance with me. So just like, I don't, it, there's just like an authenticity of like, not even necessarily biker lingo, but just like how you would expect those people that look like that to talk in a bar. It did not seem like acting. No, for sure. I mean, that's what I mean. I think they, like the dynamic, especially like, like I said, Forsyth, especially just like, it was just like so easy for him. Like it didn't, nothing felt forced. Like he just felt like that was him. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So we get uh, the lovable gut uh, uh, up there. He's like eating watermelon, laughing as ice. Before John for before Joe Huff comes up, he's like eating watermelon or something, like laughing at fucking ice making out with the girl who looked like a suspect fifteen year old. Oh, yeah, she looks a little young, for sure, for sure. Uh, the guy, I didn't understand, uh, that was one of the things, like, we always say that uh, our significant others love pointing out the random stuff that's happening and, like, harping on them. Like, yeah, Jen saw that guy was just eating uh, watermelon. She was baffled by it. Like, he was just in a bar, just like, you're like, all right, bar. you're eating watermelon and you're <laughs> loving that they're making out. Go. <laughs> hey, ice, man, ice. Uh, so, uh. We get that, and then we have we obviously see Nancy, who we let later find out is Chains Cooper's old lady. And for anybody unfamiliar with uh, terminology, if you are in a biker gang and you have a significant other or a not so significant other, they are considered your old lady. Yep, that's oh, my yeah. old lady. Um, <laughs> so uh, we get <laughs> so. <laughs> fucking amazing scene ice goes down to the the truckers that are saying that she sold them some bad some bad shit i you know aka drugs and then he goes i heard the bitch say haul your ass <laughs> you can do what i will just fucking when Forsyth just has this down he was so like, and he was intense as the as Ice Hensley. He had a full like comprehension of what this character was, how volatile he was, how like just on the edge and fringe this guy was, just like a second away from killing everyone. Yeah, like I said, he his character was so natural, and, and I think my personally, like looking back on it, like he kind of steals the show a little bit in my eyes. You know what I mean? Like he like just he get- was the perfect. 
he was the perfect form of evil in that movie. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Just, just give us a grand and we're gone. I got news for you, baby. You already gone. Kicks him in the nuts. <laughs> Fuck it. I, I'm going to. You don't know how long I've waited to get into an altercation with somebody when they say, and I'm gone. And I can say that line to him and kick him in the nuts. It'll never happen, but if the opportunity ever presents itself, it's going down. It could happen. I could see it happening. So uh, we get Got telling, or, or they get obviously a big fight breaks out. Joe goes down there, uh, obviously going to be known as his alias is John Stone uh, to the Brotherhood, but goes down there and, and saves Ice uh, from getting mauled by these guys. And, uh, you know, he tells him, next time, mind your own fucking business, honey. And uh, Gut, as I, Gut is just like pumped on this, just very impressed and says, you know, oh, the Brotherhood's having a rally this weekend. You should come down. Uh, and he, uh, you know, that's his in right there, his end of the Brotherhood. Weaseled his way in, showed that he had their back with that fight. Yep. Gut took the liking to him, invited him to the rally. Now, I guess one thing I had a question for you that I was confused about a little bit. I know this was takes place in the South, but, like, I heard him mention a couple different places in the South. Like, there was a floor. They mentioned Florida. They mentioned what, like Mississippi or something, and like Louisiana. So, so what is this? So where did the, Alabama, like where did the, where did this supposed to take? Like what's okay? This take place in exactly Mississippi. So Joe is from Alabama. He's an Alabama cop, out of his jurisdiction. He's he's an Alabama cop, but he's in Mississippi because that's where the Brotherhood's located. Gotcha. And when he calls the like uh, police, when Chains later calls. Uh, calls the woman police officer and wants him to run an NCIC on uh, yeah. Joe Huff. Th- she answers it as Bloxy Police. And if you see the yeah. everything, so it's Bloxy, Mississippi is where they're located. Now, the one dude who plays AWOL, who's in the military garb, I don't know if you're familiar with who he is, but I'm right, I'm, I'm right now ready to freak your mind. That is the guy who plays Tommy in Hack-O-Lantern. No, really? It fucking 100% is. My lord! I mean, I was trying to think of like yesterday if he reminded me of somebody, but it definitely wasn't that. Greg Scott Cummings. He plays plays AWOL. He's in a lot of stuff. He's in like Batman Returns and shit. But you most recently know him as Tommy from Hack O' Lantern. Listen, if you're in So Called and Hack O' Lantern, what a fucking career! You don't even need to do it. Anyone who's never seen Hack O' Lantern, that's another podcast we'll do someday. I'm sure. But uh, go watch Hacklander right now. <laughs> After you watch Stone Cold. And shout out to my boy Ben Deedles because he does the best uh, high pike fucking impersonation. The side of the Mississippi, actually. So good. Um, but yeah, we got Robert Winley. Obviously, played in uh, Near Dark as a biker in, or as a, like a trucker or whatever in the bar. Obviously, yep. as the "Give me a close your boots, your motorcycle" guy from. Uh, terminator 2 and of course the legendary unfortunately he died of brain cancer i think in in uh 2000 or 2001 but robert winley man fucking and steals the show uh as mudfish amazing fucking name and he looks like his name at birth was mudfish oh yeah the mudfish name was was fitting but yeah no he killed it and uh so, yeah, they show up to Dangerous by the Doobie Brothers, one of my favorite songs of all time, introduced to it by this film. Probably the first time I ever heard the Doobie, Blood, Doobie Brothers. If it wasn't the, you know, Old Black Water, it was definitely fucking, it was this song. Uh, the Doobie Brothers have a big biker tie-in. Uh, they are 
supporters of you know 81 hell's angels um and uh they've been you know big uh bikers um and supporters uh most of the doobie brothers have maybe not michael mcdonald but the rest of them um (laughs) but uh so there is a tie-in there they always played sturgis in the 80s and the 90s um so there's a big biker tie-in there um and we get this and we we see uh, you know john stone shows up and he races ice uh but before that uh actually it was the beginning of the film we didn't even talk about it because there's so much that happens in this film but when the uh i can't i'm 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 lost i can't remember if it was oh wait no no it was it was during this scene when they're fucking mudfish and uh mudfish and ice are shooting beer cans off each other with fucking guns yeah that's maybe one of the most amazing scenes ever Oh yeah, just goddamn going nuts shooting uh, cans over each other's head or off of wasn't it off of the shoulder first and then the head? Yeah, and then Ice said, "Give me some head, baby." <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, and so, then fucking Ice takes out the Mac Ten on him. Look what I got! Try that, motherfucker. <laughs> and what do you do when your when your friend when you guys are playing a nice friendly game of shoot the can off your head with a single shot pistol, and then your friend pulls out a Mac Ten and fucking tries to blow you away? What do you do when you hit the deck if you're mudfish? You fucking laugh. Yeah, you just start fucking dying laughing. Like, it's, <laughs> uh, it's a really... I think everyone who is us or like us needs to be ashamed that we're not this manly. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the shit that's going on in this when Hero arrives to this biker... Uh, to this rally is just crazy. Yeah, people fighting, motorcycle races, people shooting shit off each other's heads like... I'm sure you'll talk about it in a moment. There's people fighting in a pit. Oh, yeah. The pit fighting. So, we get... So, Stone shows up and fucking races Ice, beats Ice. And then uh, he immediately goes from the race. Talk about coming in and throwing your weight around. He comes in, he immediately beats Ice in a motorcycle race, takes his fucking shirt off, walks over to the pit to fight fucking Kenny Omega in a fucking goddamn... In a Biloxi (laughs) deathmatch. <laughs> Double Jack Kenny Omega in a Biloxi death match. <laughs> I mean, the dude looked like straight Kenny Omega. I thought yeah, fucking I mean, for a second there, I thought we were gonna see a director's cut fucking come out next year with fucking him doing a one wing angel on fucking Brian Boz. It's gotta be his cousin for sure. Oh yeah, he's definitely fucking. He's definitely from the Great White North. But and then we see him uh, beat uh, beat this guy up. Uh, who's breaking motherfuckers' backs like straight up backbreaker, fucking road warrior animal style? And also, I love all the guys in the crowd that are fucking calling him fucking whip and all this yeah, fucking fucking shit. Goddamn! Oh yeah, mudfish with the goddamn pussy. <laughs> yeah, I was dying at that. <laughs> There's just so much, like, the dialogue is just so fucking, like, it's true to life, but it's also hilarious because you know these people exist. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like I said, I would, that's exact. my, in fact, Jen, when we were watching, says, is this what they do at Sturgis? I said, I probably never been. That or they watch fucking WCW matches in Road Wild. <laughs> exactly. So, we get, uh. So after he beats Double Jack Kenny Omega, he goes to uh, he goes back to his van where he, he hauled his bike in, 
And uh, we see Lance's character Chains. Chains Cooper, Poker, and Laney are in, sitting in the van. Laney is uh, Chains' old lady. And they're sitting in there, and he's pretty much just, you know, Chains is trying to feel him out. And he tries to leave the Laney with him and says, you know, if you're going to talk to the brother, you're going to talk to me. He took my old lady and have some fun. And Ice rolls around the corner and says, uh, he hits him with the, you know, the, it smells too sweet. You know, I don't trust it. Uh, old boy coming in out of nowhere, throwing his weight around. And, you know, uh, Chains is just out for, you know, what's going to help this club? What's going to help me? What's going to help this club? Uh, and he says, you know, I smell business. And we get the the great, you know, you know me, baby. I'm a worry wart. So, uh, so obviously, so Chains, like, almost gets off on being able to, like, get into it with, like, these guys that, I mean, I don't think it's normal, but someone that's coming in out of nowhere and throwing their weight around like that, it's you and me, Stone. We're going to get in each other's heads, man, and laughs like, you, you know, you might not like what you find, Chains. That's just like, I don't know. I think the dialogue just flows so natural in here. And for someone who's never acted before, like Bosworth, to come in and and, and kind of be this smooth with someone. I mean, speaks to Lance, too. And William Forsythe's character. Uh, being able to, for those guys to be able to work with someone who's never acted in his life. I don't know. I, I don't think the acting is bad. That's what I've never understood about the hate on this film. And just be like, oh, this is stupid, like, dumb, over-the-top action film. I never understood that because I always thought it was super entertaining. And the acting, William Forsythe and Lance Hendrickson specifically are just elite actors. Yeah, I mean, obviously, don't get me wrong, there are a few cheesy lines, of course. Of course, yeah. Mostly from, mostly from Boz. But like you said, I mean, like, I think, like, yeah, like, Lance, because, like we say, Lance, world-class, Forsyth really kills it. Like, every, everything has a really natural feel. Um, and, and like, you know, for that story and the story they're trying to tell, um, nothing seems forced. And like I said, I mean, take a guy like Boz. He's an athlete coming off of probably never acting in his life. I mean, arguably that he did a better job than a lot of other probably more well-known actors in some action flicks. So. Oh, yeah. So we get Whip Whipperton, Brent Whip Whipperton, running for governor. He's the DA of, uh, he's the DA, and he's running for governor of the state of Mississippi. And he's talking about, you know, he's doing these little commercials where, he, you know, he's pretty much, he's all over the Brotherhood's radar, and, and you can tell Chains is, Chains's whole operation is to take this fucking guy down. And then we get, you know, we get him on the TV. He's talking, and we get, we get Greg. Uh, Greg Scott Cummings, who plays AWOL, who is the the sergeant at arms at the golf co- the Gulf Coast uh, chapter, the golf chapter, and uh, he comes in and they're talking about, you know, how they want to take out, uh, how they want to take out the whip, as they refer to him. Um, so there's dialogue about how that's like you know that that's the big plot behind what the brotherhood is planning because there's these meetings they're obviously bringing in the sergeant arms from the uh from another chapter the golf chapter uh so there's a lot going on stone shows up uh, with a government issue uh uh kevlar bulletproof vest uh and chains puts it on him and shoots him almost like testing see how far i could push this guy and Boz grabs him, slams him on the fucking pool table. Ice hits him with this. This motherfucker deserves to die. Uh, 
And cha- like, dude, Lance, when Lance turns it on, Lance turns it on like no other. And when he yells, he's mine, Lance is just, Lance can command the screen like no other. Yeah, he like definitely, he goes from, you know, the way he, his range is, I guess, is, that's what that's what I noticed in this too. Like he can go from real crazy to like just normal, like comedic and the serious, like, but very naturally. Yeah. And he, he asked him, you know, do you want to, you got balls of steel stone. Do you want to prospect the brotherhood? And, and, uh, ice is obviously scoffing and fucking, and Lance, again, this is all improvised. Lance hits us with the, this is either going to be the biggest pork chop I ever ate or my bulldozer. Fucking amazing. <laughs> I mean, like I said, that the thought of, of, of having completely improvised lines is just insane. Oh yeah, and we get those fucking those gems, those little fucking those nuggets of truth, and uh, and he's talking about you know he's talking about the colors. So to 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 spoil anything, if it if it's uh, too much for some people to watch, given the current circumstances of the world or anything like that, you might want to be you know maybe a trigger warning. We'll, we'll we'll give you before you watch the film if you haven't watched it. The Brotherhood is Aryan related. They are very. You know they have the the German SS on their colors. Um, there's a lot of uh, Nazi flags flying within the Brotherhood, uh, the Brotherhood's compound. Um, so they are Aryan related, and they are Aryan in in their colors, having the burning cross uh, with the SS and a chain around it, and they're called the Brotherhood. Uh, and Lance is telling them like you know pretty much giving them the rundown like this is you know. This is, you know, this may be a rag to the walking dead out there, but this is my flag, my cross, and my church, and these colors don't run. And if they hit the ground in a fight, I will peel your your skin off with a knife dipped in shit. Yep. What a fucking... These fucking... Lance hitting us with the, the fucking biggest pork shop I ever ate, and then peel your skin off with a knife dipped in shit almost back to back. Yeah. Think about that one. <laughs> just the imagery is just so pleasant i'm dipping a knife in in what kind of shit like a turd or liquid shit and then skinning someone just uh just completely insane and of course what do you do when all this goes down and stone agrees that he's gonna he's gonna prospect so they give him an assignment and they say you know the pensacola chapter needs an ear uh and it's a guy that took a took a couple keys of uh cocaine and and fled to bolivia and uh this guy do you recognize this guy who was the dancer who was like the salsa I, dancer i did i, I from Bloodsport. Right? yeah i, I recognized him <laughs> yeah. like uh instantly and i looked it up too just to confirm but i was like that's definitely him uh, his name's paulo Paul, right paulo like Tacho, I think it's pronounced probably. Okay, yeah. Yeah, immediately uh, I, I had a feeling. There's amazing crossover in this film. Yeah, there is a few. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk touch on Magic a little bit as well. He's in a lot of stuff, obviously. Oh, yeah. So we get a, we get a, a great uh, musical moment. There's a couple of really great musical moments. We get Elaine's Treehouse, Fatal Kiss, you know, kind of like the... Uh, the dramatic uh, effect uh, montage, you know, with with Stone riding riding the bike down to Pensacola to do this task. He's got himself in a world of shit. These guys are crazy. He just wanted to get three weeks suspension for fucking fucking up the grocery store. All this because he was going to fucking get a little biscuit from the fucking 
the bakery and fucking had to had to fuck all these crazy guys these three crazy guys up in the thing they're suspending him for three weeks he ends up on this assignment knee deep in shit with the brotherhood yeah i mean it's kind of funny that uh that's how the story stems from you know and yeah. that's how he gets all this being suspended and, and like it's pretty it's black. pretty funny and, and pretty good considering they they had to call an audible and take out the family dynamic where his wife and kid were murdered by the brotherhood and, and then that there was reasoning behind his infiltration granted that would have been a great story to see too but the fact that we got something that was as at least entertaining and as cohesive as this is pretty impressive considering the director switch and the that you know being having to call that audible three weeks into filming yeah for sure when you when you have a lot of issues like that on a, on a film sometimes it seems like it could really screw things up um and that other storyline does sound like really intriguing and i bet it probably would have gave you a little bit more of a deeper connection and with like uh, the revenge aspect of it, so um, yeah, yeah, they still made it work for sure. So uh, Paulo Tocha, Tucha, whatever his name is, uh, who's in Bloodsport, he plays this guy that's dancing, who's got the tattooed ear with the <laughs> spider web in it. Amazing tattoo! I actually contemplated getting that uh, years ago, and I'm still mulling it over. Um, and then getting the spider earring to go with it—that's that's the that brings it all together. If you have the dance moves too, you gotta have the dance. Moves. Oh yeah, you gotta wear the the tucked in baggy shirt too. <laughs> but he's dancing, and yeah, performance like that, I take a bow. Uh, <laughs> just obviously patronizing him for being, you know, dancing in this dance club. Uh, and the the FBI grabs him. They're obviously sending him into some kind of, uh, you know, putting him in, imprisoning him, and probably gonna make him flip. Uh, and they get a corpse's ear, which is great, and they have him tattoo the same tattoo in a corpse's ear. I've tattooed tits, I've tattooed a flabby ass, but I never tattooed no corpse's ear before. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought that scene was really cool how they they had this ta- random tattoo artist tattooing a, a a corpse ear with a spider web. Just Imagine. so great. And uh, so we get that he comes back with the ear to to show that you know he he did the task. And Chain sends him out to on Ice's collection gig with Nancy to go with Tool and his old lady to go collect uh, downtown. So then we get another crazy scene. We get, you know, uh, the Italians, the Italian mafia, uh, one of the names, uh, Dimitri, being, you know, one of the guys of this uh, Italian mob that go there and blow up Tool, throw... Tool is like a red-headed cat who runs the... operates the electric door at the compound of the Brotherhood, but he's running errands today, picking up collections with his wife, or his old lady, rather, and gets blown up by a grenade on the side. Amazing. The the scenes where shit blows up in this, I feel like they spared no expense when shit blew up. No, they did a really... Yeah, really good, really really realistic job. And, like, yeah, that scene is nuts. Like, they're just rolling up... They just tossed a hand grenade out the window in front of the store. And uh, he gets blown up, and uh, Nancy gets robbed, and uh, John rides on the car, and, and they end up crashing. He gets, goes over there, and he beats the shit out of the Italians for a little bit until they pull an amazing little car. Amazing car stunt where, where he's on the car, and you can... You can tell that, you know, a lot of uh, choreography has went into this and riding on the car, car smashing, and then him fucking the guys up, Dimitri pulling a gun out of him, tell Chains to keep his castles out of my sandbox. 
and uh, Tool gets blown up, and at that point, uh, you know, Ice is, you could tell, even behind the scenes, Ice is riding Chains to uh, to call and get this check, checked on, so that's when uh, Chains calls Bloxy Police, he talks to this uh, this female officer who obviously is in his pocket and says, I want you to run an NCIC on John Stone uh, and cross, you know, cross reference, see, see what comes back. And, uh, and chains kind of scoffs at that. Like, Jesus, this ice is so worried. Like, cause ice is standing right there. So they go to the hospital. They see, they go to see tool <laughs> and gut can't help himself. I'm going to give you my, and plays the fucking harmonica. Why does Chain snap on fucking gut? Take that fucking thing down to the parking lot. I don't know that that part. I didn't understand. Maybe because they just like guts is like kind of a whipping post throughout the entire He's, flick. He so really just, is. Do, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe because the dude's face uh, tool or whatever's face got uh, all screwed up. But yeah, I never, I didn't understand that part either. But I know maybe they're just like Chains was just feeling sensitive because Tool was looking like a fucking rodeo clown. That guy has such a familiar. That actor has a familiar face to I. I didn't look. To see he was in this. Mo- the only movie I know him from was this movie called Big Bully with Rick Moranis and Tom Arnold, where he plays the right. firefighter who let shit on fire. I've definitely seen that movie, but I had, yeah no recollection of him. <laughs> He's the firefighter that's obsessed with pyro. <laughs> and he gets blown up in that movie. So geez, must yeah, be exactly. Ah. So they've uh, the National Guard. You see Whip on the TV in Tools in Tools Hospital room that they've called in the National Guards to handle the the Brotherhood because the Brotherhood's just kind of running wild and Whips Whips trying to crack down on them and he doesn't like it and uh, you know Stone is obviously trying to push uh, to get even further and and set up uh, a sting operation by saying this is P two P, which is was which is PCP. Um, and, uh, you know, Chains is like, I got to buy her the, the WAPs, which is obviously, uh, uh, I guess it's, it's a racial slur meaning for anybody. We're going to give you a little bit of knowledge here on, on some of the slurs. Uh, a WAP is a without papers is what it's considered. It's considered like an illegal immigrant. Uh, <laughs> but they're calling these guys <laughs> WAPs. Um, which I guess, yeah. I guess isn't necessarily, uh, something initially attacking uh I, it is definitely more directed at, at italians but i guess it could be reference to anybody who is an, an illegal immigrant but it's showing you know it's the little instances it isn't overt like over the top crazy racism that's being shown but obviously with the fucking swastika flags and uh the ss on their colors you know it's 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 in there and stuff and obviously guess- there's my biggest thing was like I feel like it that, that that aspect of it never didn't get really talked about a lot, so it was almost like why did it why was it even in there? But I think it probably just added to like the evil it, keeping making the club scene seems evil more evil, you know? Exactly, exactly. Especially like in the you know the American South and uh, not that it was a super long time ago, but the '90s. So yeah, I mean they probably just like an extra element of how of, for people to hate these guys even more. And we get um. So they show up to the two guys, uh, the two Italian guys at the, at the dinner and they, they, uh, there's a lot of great, uh, innuendo going on where he says, you, uh, you guys, you really need to keep Dimitri under wraps. Uh, 
funny enough because they have a helmet for him. No, uh, thanks, but I don't ride. Uh, Tells him to open it. It's Dimitri's head looking at him. Yeah, that was in the motorcycle helmet. Uh, It's subtle, like subtle brutality, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think like at first I, you didn't really know what was in that helmet, but uh, I thought it was a really cool scene. The prosthetic looked pretty good too, or whatever it was. Oh yeah, it looked. They did look really good. Uh so they they get a deal with them, and uh, they're gonna tran- They're gonna do a deal for the, with the P two P for them through Stone, and uh, this is a, probably my favorite scene in the film. One of my favorite scenes in the film is where Chains is sitting in his like uh, little like office area, which looks great. It looks like the office from fucking uh, the the. Uh, the playmates or whatever the the playpal guys from Chucky and Child's Play three it looks like one of their offices, and he's just rewinding like the Whip Whipperton just talking shit about how they're gonna uh bring the Brotherhood down and he's just changes so fixated on this DA who's trying to be the governor about taking them down that he's just replaying it and he's got him saying death 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 and he just like just laughs. Yeah, that I thought that was a cool scene, like uh, showing how like like Lance is just a little bit twisted, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, a little bit twisted, and he like just wanted wanted this guy dead. So he's completely fixated on bringing him down, and and you hear him mention it a few times throughout the move uh, movie, you know, uh, uh, where he says, you know, they're gonna crack the whip, right. So, uh, Ice has been suspicious from the go of, of John Stone. He knows something's up. He's, he's privy to something that no one else is and, and Chains isn't. And, uh, Ice shows up, Ice shows up to, uh, Chains' like, I don't know what you want to call it, his house, his compound, you know, one of the, one of the buildings on the compound. It looks like it's just a giant loft. He swings down like Tarzan. He does wet hair. Wet hair, Holds just down. got out of the shower. And uh, look like a rad place, so I had to hang out. Oh yeah, Poker's just chilling at the door, just fucking letting fucking lets Ice in, and uh, Ice. A great little scene between William Forsyth and Lance, where he says, "You know, the fear is gonna rot your heart out." And he says, uh, "The whip's mine, covert D Day." And he looks up at Nancy and says, "Real covert." And he throws the magazine at her, obviously pissed that his old lady's even just lingering around. I don't even know if he was just. Yeah, pissed? I don't know. I thought that scene, I actually popped that scene popped and he just hucked that magazine at her <laughs> So Chains and Ice are at odds over this John Stone, this whole John Stone situation. It creates like a cool dynamic having the sergeant and I'm sure to to a, a real life effect, you know, it's having some uh some friction within a, a motorcycle club like that. Now you have the sergeant at arms who is pretty much his right hand and his his gavel. Uh, who delivers the justice to people uh, that wrong the brotherhood or that they need taken care of, and the president, uh, Chains, they're at odds. And, uh, you know, Stone ends up telling Lance as he meets up with him, when Lance is posing as a waiter, he lets him know that, you know, he's got Chains' old lady, Nancy, as the key witness, and uh, that he's going to, you know, they're going to get the, the brotherhood and the mob in one fell swoop in this sting. 
So there's like, you know, we're reaching climax for, for this whole, for the whole story or, you know, or so we think. So then at that point we get the brotherhood meeting the national guards that are trying to check their papers and trying to get identification. And it's obviously whips, uh, whips, uh, you know, opportunity to kind of shut the brotherhood down and just have their cages rattled by, you know, the national guard. And, uh, it's a pretty brutal scene. They take a couple of the national guards hostage and they, they crate them up and they put stakes in the, in the back of the things they shoot them. And then they fall on the stakes and chain says, you know, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a little campaign contribution to the whip. And gut has, you know, a part where he says, you know, we live together. We ride together. He's like killing someone in cold blood. This ain't right. This ain't the club that I joined. And Lance puts his hand in the, in the the spinning motorcycle wheel and takes his fingers off. Yeah, another brutal scene of and him showing his dominance and his uh, leadership over uh, the club. Poor, like I said, Gutch is a whipping post throughout the entire. Movie. I know, the poor bastard. And he sticks around too. He doesn't. Even, uh... Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we get we get uh, Stone is talking to Nancy, saying, you know, you got your markings. God forgives the Brotherhood doesn't. Like, you can't just leave, but I could take you with me if I, you know, I'm here to get what I want and get out and call it a day. Um, and Cunningham wants to pull Joe off, the, who's the FBI agent, uh, wants to pull Joe off the assignment. He's in and over his head. He doesn't think it's going to work. And he pretty much tells him, like, listen, I want to I wanna get this all take. I can get this. So uh, we see, you know, he's Joe's meeting with Lance again. And then Ice sees him. Uh, you know that that was when Lance proposed as the waiter and pulled Joe out of the thing and meets him in the back alley. And Ice sees uh, Lance and Joe, uh, you know, having a conversation, and hears enough of it to know that Joe's a fucking cop. Oh, and, yeah. then, and then we get the amazing, the amazing uh, bike chase between uh stone and ice yeah that was that scene was great uh riding through something that resembled the lehigh valley tunnel um also hilarious it's a it's a blooper and it's fucking hilarious uh but in some scenes you could see where he uh the stuntman had or, or ice had a headband on in some scenes and then some scenes he didn't to match the headband that the stuntman was wearing to hold the wig on when there was the more intense bike riding scenes. Yeah, I like how you, yeah, you, you, and some cuts you, you don't see it, and the other cuts he's got it on. It's definitely noticeable. He's just taking it on and taking it off during the bike chase. <laughs> he must have been. And we get this great bike chase. Shit's fucking blowing up behind ice as they're riding their fucking, you know, he's telling them, come on, cop, and fucking eats shit and fucking gets fucked up as a car pulls out in, in front of him and changes or ice is laying there all bloody and messed up. And he's, you know, he tells him, fuck you cop knew he was a cop. Ice died knowing he was a cop and that he was right. And he did not make it back to chains in the compound to let him know. Uh, and it's a, uh, it's pretty, it's a pretty crazy death. And w- with a pretty crazy death, of course, what's the brotherhood to do, but give ice a pretty crazy send off. Now they put him on a pedestal. 
they talk about how he would he was uh he was a bad motherfucker he you know he cut your balls off and feed him to you on a plate you know if you tried to outride him he'd leave you the ozone or no if you tried to party with him he'd leave you the ozone if you tried to outride him you crash and burn uh chains goes up there kisses him on his dead burnt messed up head and poker throws some gas on him and they light him up what a what it's like a the viking funeral is what they yeah do. the viking funeral yeah i guess the crazy yeah the part about it was they had him set up on the bike with sunglasses on and a cigar in his mouth yeah <laughs> chains gets up there puts a cigar in his mouth and i love yeah. after he kisses him he goes yeah <laughs> also did you notice though that chains kind of before they throw the the gas and the match on ice, Chains kind of has a second where he just stares at Stone like he he thinks Stone might have been behind this. Uh, yeah, I did pick up on that. He kind of glances over at him, and uh, they kind of share a look, a serious look. So that was interesting, and, and obviously I think the... So uh, Nancy, uh, Nancy answers the phone... And the sister from the Bloxy police called and said, you know, his name's John Stone's name is cross-referenced with a guy from Mobile, Alabama named Joe Huff. And Nancy answers the phone. So chains doesn't hear about this. Uh, so the sting for the mob is, you know, and obviously stone denies it and says, yeah, so what? I got a few names. I'm not a cop. And, uh, so the sting for the, for the mob is set and the brotherhood is set. Uh, Martinez, who's an FBI agent is, uh, undercover. He's got like blood, fake blood packs in his, in his, uh, in his bulletproof vest. They're setting up a big thing. So stone can gun him down and act like, you know, they didn't give him money and they shot the driver for the P2P. And it was a big, you know, a big ruse to take down the brotherhood and the mob because then they're going to drive the P2P to the, to the Italians and get the the mob and the brotherhood in one fell swoop and then they di- they divert the p2p truck and take it away to another location they pulled a fast one on stone so they didn't see it because they don't outwardly say it but chains is obviously suspicious about stone he's heeding ice's words now that ice has died 100% they're on to him Nothing confirmed, but you pick up you're picking up that vibe from everyone, and they kind of built the suspense as well. And uh, Nancy finds out in the CB radio when when Lance calls over to him that uh, he's a, a cop. So the the jigs up with her; she knows, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's on from there because then Stone shows back up to the compound. And Poker greets him and says, oh, yeah, Chain's been looking for you, man. Come on. And uh, going away party. Uh, and they bring out the uh, Chain's reveals uh, that Betrayal's a bitch, that Nancy has uh, told him what's up. And they also bring out uh, Paulo Tucha, uh, the solid gold dancer. And they okay. see that he has both ears and he was not uh, taken care of by stone. So it's all revealed. So chains obviously decided to take, uh, ice's words more serious after ice was dead. And he's, uh, he's fully, he's fully revealed at this point. Completely out. 
uh, he told uh, Paulo's character to leave, uh, never come back. Obviously, came back, mm-hmm. and there's no no hiding now. And uh, Lance thinks, and that's what he starts shit talking Stone as as Chains is loading the gun. Uh, goes around, comes around, and then he tells him, you know, Lance hits him with the, you know, God forgives the brotherhood doesn't, puts a couple in his chest. And, uh, and and all the whole dialogue that Lance has, we've talked about it this entire time, but you know, where he talks about how the devil was a rebel angel. So they kicked him out of heaven. Like all that shit is just great. And it just seems like something that a psychotic biker would be saying before he shoots his old lady. Um, who obviously stone was infatuated with and wanted to take out of the biker club and was his key witness too. And stone, uh, stone waxes her, shoots her right in the side of the head, and and takes her out. That uh, that one shocked me a little bit, actually. I thought they were gonna. Yeah, yeah. You thought that Nancy was kind of kind of hang out to the end. Kind of, you know, because it's like a typical thing. Yeah, like the guy ends up with a, you know, the he ends ends up with the lady in the end. So I thought that was not that it was. I just mean that it was cool, kind of a curveball that you didn't think was going to happen. Right. So they're getting, uh, they have a, a, hen, a truck that they wrote Hensley on, so a little tribute to ICE. They got a tractor trailer full of, uh, they're going to invade the courthouse where Troubles, well, Trouble, Trouble Owens is being resentenced. Uh, you know, they're trying to overturn the 45 year life sentence and, and give him the death penalty. So he's on trial for, he's back on trial for resentencing for his life. Uh, and that is covert. That's the covert D day that they were talking about. So, you know, they, they get stone all hooked up to the helicopter. The tell you know, a wall tells them we're going to blow your ass all over the sky. They got them chained up in the helicopter. And then we get one of the best climactic ending sequences to any action film ever bar none. Yeah. I mean, just legit pure chaos. I mean, you got people, you got motorcycles crashing through the windows of this fucking courthouse. Like courthouse, like government building, you got like they're taking over each room. You yeah, it's the helicopter. it's the state's capital, is what it is. It's yeah, the Mississippi capital. state capital. Yep, legit pure chaos. So, oh yeah, we got fucking guys riding motorcycles through glass windows. We got just bikes riding up and down the stairs. Now, Lance, this is great because Lance cuts his hair, chains cuts his hair, and shows up there as a priest with the gun. And when they scan, when they metal detect scan him, he pulls out his rosary with his with his metal cross on there, and that's and you think that oh he's got a gun on him. That's what you're thinking the entire time. But the gun was already planted in the courthouse because he had it under their seat. And who's he sitting behind of Martinez, the guy who played the F, who was the FBI agent who was playing, uh, you know the the P two P truck trucker that was traveling with the, all the drugs that Stone shot. Yep. And like we said, so that happens, and I like that right before all the chaos starts, Lance fucking gets in this guy's ear and goes, this time it's for real, asshole, and just blows him, blows his chest out like a chest burster right through his back. Yeah, that was uh, that was another, that was an intense scene, just sitting there in like the, and he fucking shoots him right through the back of the chest, so it was a brutal ass scene. Oh, yeah intense really crazy and uh like i said we got the fucking helicopters going crazy bikes are getting bikers are getting shot stone fucking stones in the helicopter 
He busts out, time for your flying lesson, piglet, strap. They're going to strap a bomb on him and throw him through the Capitol building. Think about how crazy that, what a great plan. What evil geniuses. I know, seriously. That's what I mean. This movie's like, they kind of push the limits. The shit they do is like legitimately super fucking evil. I mean, killing priests and, uh, seriously. So Stone's in the helicopter uh, he fucking busts the hydraulic uh, the hydraulic fuel line, sprays it in the guy's face. Is fighting with him. The fucking bombs ticking. He fucking puts he puts sticks it in his cut and kicks him off. And the guy blows up midair as a diversion. And that is what that's when Chains shot the guy and fucking because all the attention was averted. And that's when the craziness start. But we starts. But we got bike stunts. We got guys flying out of the fucking thing, hitting cop cars, flipping over the fucking cop cars. Uh, just fucking everybody being gunned down. Stone fucking then jumps out of the fucking helicopter. Also, one of the most unrealistic but amazing fucking things. What would you do? Oh, yeah, I'm going to jump out of a helicopter on through a glass ceiling of a state capitol building and land on my fucking feet. <laughs> I know, right? Literally, yeah. Leaps out of a helicopter through a glass window. Hits the ground. Literally just gets right up starts whooping ass. <laughs> uh just crazy, complete craziness going on. The bikes are flying out of the trailers. Um, and we get just a full blown, all the, you know, the head bikers are getting, are getting gunned down and, uh, stone hears uh mudfish yelling out the window and gut trying to, you know, tell him that this is fucked up. This is too far. And, uh, we get, uh, Gut sees Stone sticking out of the corner, and Gut feels like a little relief, like, oh, Stone's going to end this craziness. And uh, Mudfish annihilates Gut, just blows him right to hell, fucking. And then uh, a one single shot to Mudfish and flies out and hits the fucking, hits the cop car yeah. outside. Took some lead fucking shot 25 feet out the window. It was beautiful. Straight insanity. Uh, again, all these stunts, big and small, are just so great. They're so, so insane. It might be the best, uh, like, action stunts I've seen in a climax of any action film. I mean, it really is. Like I said, the, like, you can't deny the last, like, ten minutes of that movie. Like, it, pure <laughs> chaos. The shit that they do is nuts. And the stunts for, like, what what the movie is, like, everything looks, like, really awesome, you know? Oh, yeah. So then we get, uh, you know, chain says, everybody bail. You're on your own because everyone's fuck. It's fucking crazy. And their, fi- their plan's not going as they, as they set it out. And chains is riding bitch on the back of poker's, uh, heritage soft tail. Great bike. Oh yeah. And, uh, they, uh, they see stone down the end of the hallway and chains tells him, take the fucker out. So poker's amping himself up. And we get one of the best uh, war calls ever, the die motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Riding the fucking bike right through. And what's the bike do? Fucking, well, he gets fucking shot in the chest by stone, flies off the bike, looked amazing. The bike flies out the window and fucking slow motion flies out the window beautifully as AWOL screams no and it flies into the helicopter and blows the fucking helicopter. Blows the helicopter to pieces. 
It's just, insane. It's insane, and it's fuck. And it looks beautiful. All the explosions look beautiful. Nothing looks half da- half assed. And it was a fifteen million dollar budget, and it grossed a little more than nine. But they utilized every dollar of that fifteen million. I think. Oh, I think that's it's probably where majority of the funds. <laughs> At least twelve million went to fucking stunts just, and yeah, blowing shit up. I had to. Have. But uh, we get the showdown with. Uh, with chains and stone, you know, chains hits him with the welcome to my slaughterhouse and they're fucking, uh, stones pretty much like Lance don't even, uh, or chains doesn't even stand a chance against stone. He doesn't even barely get him with anything other than a couple cheap shots and stones just beating the piss out of him this entire time and throw just beats the ever loving shit out of him up and down the stairs and everything. Oh yes. Finally, all they're finally coming to a head. Taking out all of his aggression, taking the great piss out of Lance with his freshly cut hair. Pulls the three fifty seven on him. Imagine the future chains, because you're not in it. Spares his life. The cops, everyone comes in there. Cunningham, you know, let's see the gun. Let's see it, and everything's done. But in a last ditch effort, Chains tries to grab a gun and fucking blow Stone away. And who saves the day? Mister Schweiber, fucking Lance. <laughs> blows fucking blows him away uh and lance obviously coming to save the day it's time to turn it trying to turn it on stone smiles at him and we get walking out of the courthouse carnage with blood and sweat all over him we get the end we get the we get the end credits i mean yeah like how do you follow up like when you have one of the greatest action sequences in the end just pure chaos in a capitol building course you're expecting the boss just to roll out nonchalantly a little smirk on his face bloody as shit (laughs) (laughs) and just complete insanity in all the good and all the best ways and all the good ways uh what a fucking film yeah i mean like i said it's just uh, you know watching it now like really like fresh almost like seeing it for the first time and like it's really for that time, that time frame, it's it's so underrated. Like, just not talk about it at all. I mean, really at all. Like, other than you know, you mentioning it, mentioning it, you never hear about this flick. But it's so badass, and the acting really is. Uh, you know, with Lance and and Forsyth, it's, it's, not it's bad really at all. really great. No, it's, it's great. really great. I mean, I, and I would also just I know that you and, and Bridget are, are rewatching this now, but like. Not that it's exactly like that, but the whole biker, you know, like anybody who would be like a Sons of Anarchy fan, I think would dig it too, because it has oh, like yeah. a little that, like, you know, this is much crazier. <laughs> well, I don't know, give or take, it's much crazier. Definitely more uh, violent, that's for sure. Oh, 100%. And it's, what do you think the, what do you think the the reasoning is that this film, films like, like it too, not just these films, but films like it just, aren't revered is it just for is it just for like select audiences and you have to i feel like action is the most like outskirts um and and i'm not talking about comic book movies because comic book movies are different from action films in my and true true action film realistic action films they're different from why do you think the you know the action films aren't what they were in this uh, in the 80s and and the early 90s i don't know i mean i think we've talked about it quite a bit i just think it's it's people find them mindless or I don't know, like they're just looked down upon. It's just kind of how the genre has always been. And you're right. I do think that a lot of like the mainstream, like, you know, Marvel 
or like DC action are like not the same for sure. Um, so the, and nowadays those are like huge, but like before that, yeah, just looked down upon. I think a lot of the big action star actors, like people don't really revere them for being like great actors per se. I don't know. You know how it is. I mean, Oh yeah. There's always a pretentious side of everything. And, and, and I just think these fall, these fall apart of it, but this movie, anybody who is an action fan, I don't know how any, especially who likes films from this era and this genre. Like, I don't know how you could ever look down. I mean, this has everything that you would want in an action movie. Yeah, um, it's, it really is. And, uh, a couple last tidbits before we wrap this up, cause this has just been a blast of an episode to be able to gush about this great film, but that the bike that, uh, Boz rides and it's a, it's a Dyna wide glide. That's his personal bike with his personal, uh, paint job on it too that he had that he felt said he would feel more comfortable riding in the film because he was a he was a harley owner a bike rider and right. had it had blue flame mohawks with the with the the blonde flat top on a skull was the and that was his custom design not even for the film that was just his bike the, yeah that's right the blue flame mullet with uh, the with the you know with the the blonde I, flat I, top boss for sure i I do have a question for you though. How and you might know this because I, I did. I didn't even look, but how did this movie do in like theaters? Like not not a little over nine million. Uh, it was cut by the shit by the MPAA. There's a lot that they cut out. Um, because I think it was probably closer to a hour and forty five minutes, and this comes in I think at uh, even ninety or eighty nine minutes. Um, it's like an hour and like twenty something minutes, I think. Yeah, and it's uh, I think it was closer, uh, closer to two hours before. But obviously, these movies are going to see cuts, and uh, yeah, it did right. nine million on a fifteen dollar budget. It obviously, was a flop, but I mean, it's definitely found life on video as it did with me as a, a child watching it on Cinemax, HBO, and shit like that. Um, and there's there's definitely a fandom for it, and I ho- I can only hope that it keeps growing because. My, myself, I have an original movie uh, T-shirt from 1991 from Columbia TriStar. You, talk about, you definitely got to talk about some of the swag that you, some of the Stone Cold swag you have, because so I have a uh, the the original shirt that was printed and gave gave out at the theater and, and I think in select like theaters and things like that. It was a big thing in the early nineties because I have the one your brother Brian bought for me, the Night of Living Dead nineteen ninety one that they gave out at the screenings. And this one, from everything I can find, I believe it was the same thing. It was a big thing in the nineties. So you're talking ninety and ninety one, uh the Night of Living Dead remake uh shirt was handed out uh, 90 and this one I, I believe was handed out in the same way because I've never seen it before and I've only heard that it was a promotional item for the film and it is dated 1991 so I can only imagine it was handed out with the film just like the the dead 90 shirt that Brian bought from John Russo for me but um and I also have an original Columbia TriStar studio issued vinyl banner for the movie theaters that was supposed to be sent back to Columbia TriStar and ended up finding it on eBay and it's a big blue post vinyl poster that's probably i think it's six i think it's eight feet long and i think two feet wide and it says uh brian bosworth is stone cold and i'm just just from seeing it in person i will just i gotta tell the people it's amazing and it's got to be i mean obviously i don't know but and and you might know more but that's things got to be i mean so rare 
Oh yeah, I've never seen one before or since, and when I immediately saw it, it was the most, it was the fastest I've ever ever purchased anything ever. <laughs> That's amazing. And it was uh, to get uh, philosophically or unphilosophically uh, deep on you. My old man was a smoker, and as soon as I cracked it open, it smelt like his clothes would smell because whoever owned it smoked so heavily. So it was almost like a uh, a message from the gods that I needed yeah. to own this, that a fellow Satch probably owned this. <laughs> we love you, Satch. And uh, I obviously have a Stone Cold, actual theatrical Stone Cold movie poster in, my, in this downstairs uh, compound area. I have the William Forsyth uh, Ice 8x10 auto, and I obviously got a chance to meet Lance two years ago, and he signed uh, a Chains 8x10, Chains Cooper 8x10 from Stone Cold as well. So my fandom for this movie is... Uh, it's pretty uh, pretty big. I love this film, and uh, I love having people either discover it or rediscover it because we get these amazing conversations, and I feel like anybody who can appreciate films from the time period come out, and they're just like, wow. what a inter-. At, the, at the very least, even if you don't think it's an amazing film or anything, at the very least, it's highly entertaining. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, it's... It, it it like it it blew me away honestly in a, in a great in the greatest way and I'm anybody like I said who's into action I'm gonna be talking about this movie and and like I said it makes me sick that it took me so long but I'm definitely I'm a fan so well that is Stone Cold 1991 if you have not seen it please check it out because it is uh, it is a goddamn gem of action cinema and cinema in general. Long live Lance Hendrickson, William Forsyth, hell, Brian Bosworth, Robert Winley, all these great faces, these great characters that made this film what it is. Craig R. Baxley. Uh, anybody who had anything to do with this film, really, because it was just, you know, Wal- Walter Doniger uh, for writing it, and anybody that had, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Malmuth, who was the original director, anybody who had anything to do with this film. Thank you for making it, because we truly appreciate it, and it's going to live on forever. I mean, it's 30 years later, 30 years to the day we've recorded this, and we talk about the fandom, and we're going to celebrate it. And, uh, yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Heart Guy Media, <clears throat> on Twitter at Heart Guy Media, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your stream your podcast, you can find us. And, yeah, check it out. And if you've not seen Stone Cold, there's a Blu-ray release of it from Olive Films. There is also a standard MGM DVD. I think that's out of print. Um, it's also on YouTube. If you don't want to buy anything and be foolish, you can just watch it digitally and watch it on YouTube. Uh, enjoy this film and check it out. And uh, Eric, this has been a, a blast, man. It was uh, great to talk this film with you. Yeah, man. Thank you so much uh, for letting me be a part of it. It was it was super fun, and uh, I I urge everyone to definitely go check this out, and to also just look up Brian Bosworth, and uh, if you're not familiar with him, because he was the man, or is the man, I should say. The land of Boz, Brian Bosworth forever too. Uh, thanks everybody. Check this out. Go watch Stone Cold, and thanks for listening. <laughs>